That was good. That was good. My name is Dan, and I'm the children's pastor here at Gray Oaks Community Church. Today I have the pleasure of, of taking us through a study here in God's Word as Pastor Bill is on vacation. So, some of you uh, may have had a chance to look at the bulletin this morning, and, uh, and you'll see that on the back that I worked very, very hard to come up with a very creative title for this message. I called it Psalm 37. All I can say was that Thursday, Stacy was talking to me. She says, Dan, I got to print the bulletins. I need a title. She had been, she had been asking me for a title all week. I'm like, I don't have a title. I don't have a title. I don't have a title. She said, Dan, I need a title. I'm like, okay. And the creative juices just started flowing. <laughs> I could not find the off switch. So I titled it Psalm 37. If I had to do it over again, now that I feel a bit more creative, I think I titled it uh, Living Psalm 37. <laughs> so that's our title this morning, even though the bulletin said something else. Um, so turn with me, please, to Psalm chapter 37. And uh, this psalm is 40 verses long. I thought about taking time to read all 40 verses, but that's just too long. It is the eighth longest psalm in the, in the book of Psalms. I found that out in my study. So if you're playing trivial pursuit someday and, and it asks you, what's the eighth longest psalm in the book of Psalms? Psalm, 30, psalm 37. If they ask for uh, the seventh or ninth longest, I'm no use to you. Sorry. All right. Uh, Psalm 37. It's about in the middle of your Bible. And uh, follow along now. And we're going to start reading. I'm going to spend all my time this morning in the first, uh, first six verses. But let's just read the first verse together. It says, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. As I started studying for this message, I wanted to make sure that I understood what fret actually means. So I got out my dictionary. And according to, according how, and according to the Random House Dictionary, this is how fret is defined. To feel or express worry, annoyance, discontent, or the like. And then the second definition, because you know how dictionaries usually give four or five definitions. The, seven, right, the second definition is this. It says, to cause corrosion, to gnaw into something. To gnaw into something. So I really like how those two definitions fit together. All right, because I think of worry and anxiety kind of like a little creature, maybe a little monster. And it likes to jump on us. And it attaches itself to us, right? And it starts gnawing, like a little rodent. Gnaw. That, right? It just starts gnawing and gnawing and gnawing and gnawing and gnawing. And it sometimes feel like it is going to eat you alive, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you here, I've, there's probably a few of you here today. And you can't relate. And you would know fretting if it fell out of the sky and if it hit you on the head. 
Because your approach to life is, oh, no problem. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. It always works out. It's no big deal. It'll be just fine. Don't worry. There's a few of you here like that. And I got to tell you, those people drive the rest of us nuts. Okay. Because probably most of us in here have experienced some degree of fretting. And I think that fretting can kind of uh, be experienced in different amounts. All right. Some days we go through life. Some, sometimes we go through years, maybe, and we, and we don't do much fretting. But then sometimes uh, we fret some or a lot or something. I think fretting can be, I think fretting can, can occur in different levels, different, different amounts of, throughout the course of our life. So I have some pictures I want to show you. Um, and I want you to imagine that these are little fret monsters. All right. So let's go ahead and show the first picture. Elmo. Those of you who are wise in the ways of children will understand that this is Elmo. And uh, so I want you to imagine that Elmo is a little fret monster. All right. Now, he's really not too, too scary. Right. I mean, uh, some people think he's cute. I kind of find him, find him to be a little bit annoying, but that's just my own personal preference. Uh, but look at Elmo. He's not too intimidating, right? He doesn't even have any teeth, right? I mean, what's he going to do, like gum you to death or something? He's just not too scary. And so, like, maybe some of you are like, experiencing this amount of fretting this morning. It's, it's not too serious. There's not much fretting going on. Let's go ahead and look at the next picture. That's a little more intimidating, right? That's a little scarier, right? This guy's got his horns. He's got the fangs. He's got the teeth. He's got his hands up in the air. He's going to jump on you. Fret, 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 fret. Right? This, is, uh, this picture represents a little deeper amount of fretting going on in our life. All right? Perhaps some of us are there today. Let's show one more picture. That means things are not going well. All right? Your day is about to come unraveled real soon. That's a lot of fretting going on. And hopefully most of you, hopefully none of you are here are experiencing that level of fretting in your life today. But you never know, right? That's a real possibility. Psalm 37, I think, has a couple of very important things for us to learn this morning. And it doesn't matter what degree of fretting you're in. I think... God's word is going to apply to you this morning. I think he's got something very special to show you this morning. I'm going to give you a little story out of my own life. Um, uh, Because I, too, have experienced fretting off and on throughout my life. Over the course of the last two or three years, uh, fretting has kind of come and gone in my own life. Probably like some of you here today. Uh, not so much in the past several months, but over the course of the last two, three, maybe in the last four years, I would find myself fretting, and this is how it would happen. Uh, uh, sometime in the evening after I get home here from serving at church, I'd go home and I'd try to catch the 5.30 news. All right, so I'd try to catch the world news. And about 10 or 15 minutes into it, every time, oh, man, 
I would feel so discouraged. I'd listen to these stories of all these evil men and these evil women that are around our world. And I'd feel it's just so heavy. It's like, oh, man. And so I'd get up and turn it off. I don't know how many times I made it through all 30 minutes of the world news, but it wasn't often. And uh, I just feel so heavy. I wouldn't feel depressed. That's too strong of a word, but just discouraged. I was fretting. I'd get anxious. I'd get angry. I'd get worried. I was fretting. Sometimes the fretting would go away in 15, 30 minutes. Sometimes I'd fret all night. Even on a rare occasion, I'd go to bed and I'd wake up with it in the morning. It was horrible. And that fretting was taking away my joy. Would it happen every night? No. But it would happen off and on throughout the course of the past two, three, four years. I think it got especially worse over the last three or four years because I had kids. And as I would watch the stories of these evil people in our world, sometimes they're military leaders, sometimes they're terrorists, sometimes they're people in our own community, in our own United States of America, sometimes they're elected officials, right? And they're people who are making decisions that I find to be contrary to God's word. And I would see what they're doing and I would think, this is it? This is what my kids had to look forward to? And I would just start fretting. Seriously, some of you are thinking, Dan, you're going overboard. No, I wasn't. I was really fretting about this. It had been months since I had a serious doubt of fretting like that. But yesterday, the devil knew I was going to preach this message today. And I felt like yesterday, at one point, after something I heard, that a thousand fret monsters had just jumped on me and were just gnawing me to death. Right. So I had to get together with God. I had to go down to the basement. I had to leave my family for a little bit. I went down to the basement. I broke open Psalm chapter 37. Started reading it and talking to God. I'm telling you, friends, it was like medicine being poured over my spirit. It was awesome. So, all right, let's go ahead and read. I'm going to get back to my story here in a little bit. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. I'm not going to spend too much time on verse 2 today, but I do think it's important to mention this. Uh, God shows us in verse 2 what he is going to do to the evil men and to the evil people, men or women or whatever, who live in our world and who make decisions contrary to his word. He says they are going to wither away and they are going to die. And that same thought is again supported in verses 9, 10, 13, 15, 17, 20, verse 34, 36, and 38. It is all throughout this chapter. God talks about how he will cause. He will cause the like evil people of this world who are blatantly disobeying his word. And promoting. Evil things. To wither away and die. And he doesn't say how he's going to do it. He doesn't say when he's going to do it. He just says he's going to handle it. 
And I got to tell you, friends, that causes a lot of peace in my life. Right. Because I would feel like, man, I got to do something. But what can I do? Right. What can I do? And it helps me realize God is going to handle it. God's got it under control. All right. Let's keep reading. Verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Go back up to verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. The first half of verse three. Friends, this has probably become my favorite verse in the whole chapter. That first half of verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to say it again in case you didn't hear me. Trust in the Lord and do good. Over the past several months, I've been reading chapter 37 of Psalm a lot. And God is telling me in this chapter and through this verse, Dan, you have got to trust me. You have got to trust me, Dan. Dan, you are all worried about the world and the evil and what's going to happen to your kids in this world. Dan, trust in the Lord and do good. Right? It's as if God was telling me, Dan, I got it under control. And these people, Dan, that you're fearing or that are creating all this evil that is influencing the world for bad, Dan, they may think they're in charge, but they aren't in charge. I'm in charge. And they may think that they control things. They don't control things. I control things. Dan, trust in the Lord. God was telling me, Dan, trust in me and do good. So I started thinking, what good can I do? Right. What good can I do? Then as I was studying this passage, God helped me understand, Dan, the thing you're fretting about right now is the world and the evil and the future of your kids. And I got that under control, Dan. What I want you to do is do good. And Dan and God showed me, Dan, the good I want you to do in this situation that you're fretting about is those two kids of yours. Raise those kids to love me. To serve me, to fear me, and to honor me. That's the good I want you to do, Dan. Over the little bit of this tiny little sliver of the world that you have some influence and control over, I want you to do good, and that's the good that I want you to do. That's it. Dan, everything else you can't control. I control it. But what you can control, I want you to raise your kids to love me, fear me, And to honor me. Man. Friends, again, I can't tell you the relief that came to me when God gave me permission to stop worrying and fretting about the world I'm living in and the direction it's going and all the evil. And to say, you know what? I can't control that. God's in charge of that. I can control my kids to you know, some degree. And I'm going to raise them to love and to serve God the best I can. I've been talking about myself now this morning. I want you to turn it to yourself. I want you to turn it inward. What kind of things have you been fretting about? Some of you, nothing at all. all right, that's great. Amen. Some of you here this morning, you walked in with a fret monster attached to you, and it's not going well. 
What are you fretting about? I want you to identify it right now. Sit there where you are and identify it. What have I been fretting about lately? Now I'm going to read these words to you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Friends, you've got to realize, along with me, that really you're not in charge. God's in charge of everything that goes on around us. And that may not look like it, and we don't always understand why God does what he does and why he allows what he allows to happen. But ultimately, God created the world. He's created every person on the face of this earth, and he ultimately is in charge. Right? And he tells us, trust in the Lord. He's saying, I got it. I got it. Stop fretting about it because I got it. But then he says that two words at the end of that statement. Do good. So now going back to the area of life that you're fretting in. Take a moment now. Try to identify what it is in this thing that you're fretting about. That God wants you to do good in. Right now, think about that. Now I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to continue on with the message after that. Dear Father, we come to you this morning. And God, you know each person that's sitting in each chair here in this room. God, you know if there's something that they're fretting about. If there's something that's stealing their joy. If there's something that is burdening them. Whether it's recently or even today as they're sitting here. God, I pray that you will minister to their spirit, that you will cause them to trust in the Lord. To understand that you got it under control. And then, God, I pray that you will help them identify what good they can do in the situation they're fretting about, to do what good they can do and leave the rest completely up to you. God, we release it to you today. We ask that you carry it. You take care of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something that I like to do in my messages is to, for the most part, I usually do three points. Point one, point two, point three. I decided to try something new today. Uh, I decided to make my points in the form of a little poem. All right. Just to help you, hopefully, think about and to hopefully remember what Psalm 37 is teaching us this morning. Now, keep in mind, I'm not a poet. All right. I do not pretend to be a poet. I'm not a writer. I do not pretend to be a writer. Okay. And I did not sleep in an American Express last night either. And I didn't play one on TV. All right. But this is what I want you to remember this morning from these first two points. It goes like this. It goes... A fretting mind is wasting time when doing good is what we should. A fretting mind is wasting time when doing good is what we should. But let's keep going now. Let's go back up to verse 1. Verse 1 says, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. I'm going to pay attention to the second half of that verse right now. All right. Do not be envious of those who do wrong. Why in the world would God put that 
in the Bible. I mean, don't we all know this? Right? Isn't it pretty obvious that we should not be envious of the people around us who are doing wrong? Right? It, it seems pretty obvious. But let me put it to you this way. Okay? If, uh, for those of you who are businessmen here, uh, say that you go to work every morning, every day. You work hard. And you do things with integrity. Right? And you do things the right way. But perhaps maybe the guy sitting next to you at the next desk or the woman sitting next to you at the next desk, maybe not so much, right? Perhaps that person has managed to cheat and to lie their way into the promotion that you feel you deserve. Right? Or maybe to that next big contract or the next big sell. Maybe they cheat and lie their way into the paycheck you feel you deserve. And it's easy to look at that person and to look what they have and the prosperity that they are receiving because they aren't doing things the right way. And to say, that's mine. That promotion, that's my promotion. That client, that's my client. That office over there, that should be my office. Right? Or perhaps the student here. The student that goes to school and they work hard and they do things the right way. And some of their fellow students perhaps don't live the life of integrity and maybe not high moral character. And some of their students either become or their fellow students either become popular. Right. Maybe they cheat their way to a to a good grade. Right. Maybe some of their students, they're the ones that get invited to the uh, fun events or get asked out on dates or take the positions of the school government. Right. Right. And to say, that's not fair. That should be my thing. I should be experiencing what they're experiencing. I'm doing things the right way. I'm practicing integrity. I'm paying attention to the small things, not them. Why do they get what I want? Right. Or perhaps some of us have a family member that's a bit of a weasel. All right. right. Some of you are chuckling because you, cause you can relate here. I'm not saying I do. If any of my family members ever listen to this. Right. But a family member that's a bit of a weasel. And uh, they manage to cut the corners and to work the angles to make sure that they get the larger part of the inheritance, right? They get that special piece of property. They get the family heirloom, right? They become the favorite person in the family. They get the free trip. They get whatever. You get my point. And you say, well, I say or whatever. That should be mine. I deserve that. I'm the one doing things the right way. I'm the one practicing the integrity. I'm the one that's doing all the right, correct things. And they get what I deserve. Right? When we first read this verse, do not be envious of those who do wrong. When we say, no, I would never do that. But then we start thinking about it. Go, yeah. Yeah, I could do that real easy. And why is it so important? Why is it so important that God tells us, don't be envious of the people doing the wrong thing because God knows it is a very slippery slope from becoming envious. And it's almost automatic. We become 
envious of something someone has, the prosperity they're experiencing because they do something wrong. And then we begin to trade in our integrity a little bit, maybe just a little bit at a little time. Right. Trade in our integrity for this prosperity. I'm going to trade in my I'm going to trade in my integrity for this over here and this over here. Right. It is almost automatic. We begin to envy it and then we'll begin to adopt the practices of those people that we are envying. And it's a slippery slope. And God says, don't even go there. Don't be envious of those who do wrong. Right. Friends, you may think that no one notices. If you live a life of integrity and if you do everything right. And you may think, no one even notices. And it's not getting me anywhere. Friends, first off, I promise you, people notice. Okay. The second thing is, what's more important is what God says in verse 5. God says, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. What's that mean? Commit your way to the Lord. That means do things the right way. A life of integrity, even in the small things, even when no one's paying attention. Do things the right way. Commit your, your way to the Lord. And then it says, he will do this. In verse 6, it tells us what he's going to do. He says, he will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Awesome. Man, that's awesome. I'm going to describe it to you like this. Okay. Say that you wake up very early one morning. All right. And as... And it's well before sunup. All right. So you get in your car and you go for a drive and you and you head out to the country. All right. So so you're away from the street lights, the city lights. It's completely dark where you are. The sun is not up yet, and there's no lights around. It's a cool morning. So you decide to get out on the hood of your car and you sit there and you start to watch the sun come up. As the sun starts to creep up. Just just over the horizon, a little bit of light starts to shine. So you can start to make out the, the outline of the trees and the bushes, the fences, a barn. You can start to make out just the outline. And the sun goes up a little bit further, a little bit later. And more light is now shining from that sun. Okay, so now you can make out the detail, the detail in the tree and in the flowers and in the bushes. Right. And then a little while later, the sun is up. It is noon. It is at its brightest point. And that sun is now giving light to the entire part of the world that you're living in. All right. It's giving complete light. God says he will make you shine like the noonday sun. He will make your righteousness. He will make your right living shine like the new day sun. That's awesome. What that means is God is going to help you if you commit your way to the Lord and you do things the right way, even the small things. And if you aren't so jealous of these other people getting prosperity from their wrongdoing and you stick to God and do things the right way, God is saying he is going to use you to bring light to a dark world. He is going to use you to help people understand how to love him, how to serve him, how to walk with him. He's... And he might even use you to help someone understand that God loved them so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross 
and rise from the dead so that we can have the forgiveness of our sins and begin a personal relationship with God that will last for eternity. Impossible without Jesus Christ. And he may help you, cause you to help someone understand that. Because you commit your way to the Lord. You do things the right way. Even the small things. Friends, friends, the wrongdoers in this world who have gained prosperity by doing things the wrong way, they've been around since King David's day when he wrote this psalm, and they will be around a hundred years from now if God doesn't come back. All right? And it is so easy to look at them and say, Man, I want that. And we begin to trade off our integrity to get the prosperity that they have. And God says, don't do it, because I will use you like the noonday sun. Man, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. So I want you this morning, as we're sitting here, to evaluate your heart. See if Satan's been coming up to you and see if he's been tempting you. Tempting you to begin to trade in a little bit of your integrity a little bit at a time. To gain something that's not even going to last. To gain some temporary prosperity. Check your heart right now. Now I want you to commit to the Lord that you aren't going down that path. You aren't going to do it because you want to be used for Jesus Christ to make an eternal difference. To be the noonday sun. Right. And some of you are saying, Dan, I've walked too far down that road already. My integrity is in shambles. My reputation is shot and it's too late. I don't believe that lie, friend. That is a lie from the pit of hell. All right. Because we serve an awesome God, a powerful God, a forgiving God and a loving God who will put it all back together again. He's done it thousands of times in the history of the world, and he will do it a thousand more times. It is never too late. All right. So the rest of. So the rest of the poem this morning goes like this. It says, I will not envy wrongful men, but shine like the sun as the day begins. A fretting mind is wasting time when doing good is what we should. I will not envy wrongful men, but shine like the sun as the day begins. That in a nutshell is Psalm 37. At least the first six verses. And friends, I encourage you, I strongly encourage you, go home and read the rest of the chapter today before you go to bed. Because it is packed full of terrific things for us to learn about God. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the Bible and the way it teaches us and guides us, how it reveals your love to us, how it instructs us in the way that we should live, how it encourages us when we need help, how it corrects us when we need correcting. God, I pray today for each person here this morning who comes in perhaps with a heavy heart of fretting or with envying,
And God, I pray that you will lift their burdens. May they commit their way to the Lord. May they experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life, just like I have done, to experience your peace and your power in our life. And God, I pray in the weeks ahead that we will continually go to your word and perhaps Psalm 37 to experience your direction and your hope in our life. God, we love you so much. We thank you for giving us purpose. We thank you for giving us strength and hope each day. God, we cling to you. God, we cling to you in a world that is difficult, but we cling to you because you you give us joy and hope and power and direction each day. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.